May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Happy Mother's Day. I'm so glad that you chose to uh, share your Mother's Day and spend it here at Parkway Fellowship because today is the one day of the year that we set aside to thank our moms for all that they've done, the things that we don't even know that they have done um, and that have gone unthanked for so long. So moms, I want to say thank you and I hope that today you feel more appreciated and more loved than any other single day of the entire year. Um, this last week, my wife, Amy, and I, we were talking about um, Mother's Day and she was telling me that one of the most difficult things about Mother's Day is, or actually the one of the most difficult things about being a mom is the temptation to compare yourself to other moms. And the truth is, social media has made this so much worse. Because you know, on social media, you know, you get to see all the things that all the other moms are doing. Like, you know, like you get to see like, you know, like like there's some moms, like they've made, you know, nine hundred, you know, color coordinated cupcakes for all the kids in their entire child's school. Or, you know, that this mom, she volunteers at their school like nine days a week. Or, you know, that I, there's pictures of this mom's kids, like all eight of them sitting in a circle, all happily sharing one toy. You know? And you're just, and you're sitting there, you're just, you know, like, I'm just hoping my kid remembers to brush their teeth, you know, <laughs> this week, you know. <laughs> I like the delayed laugh. That's good. That's good. At least you're paying attention. See, social media, uh, it, can make it, it can make us feel pretty guilty because it's hard not to compare ourselves with other people. But the thing is, we got to remember, is that on social media, like, we only get to see people's victories, okay? Nobody ever posts their fails on social media, do they? And it's not like every mom is doing everything that we see on social media, okay? Most of the time, it's like that one mom posting, like, their one victory that they've had with their kid, like, that month, and they're hoping that something good happens, we'll have something to post next month. Because I'm telling you, comparisons only lead to guilt. And here's the thing, there is nothing in the Bible that says that God wants you to compare yourself with another mom. And so, if it's not in the Bible, then don't do it. And if that means that for you, mom, you need to take a break from social media because, you know, it, it, that's what's driving all this for you, then you know what? Take a break from social media. Just put it away for a little while, all right? Now, for some of you moms, like, that's all you needed to hear today. Like, you're good. So if that's you, hey, happy Mother's Day. Enjoy lunch. Like, okay? But at the heart of all of that is this piercing question of, Am I a good mom? Am I a good mom? But you know what? That's the wrong question. The right question to ask is, am I the mom God wants me to be? Am I the mom that God wants me to be? Because look, here's the thing. If God is not asking you to turn your house into an ice castle so that you can have the best frozen birthday party ever, then just let it go, man. <laughs> just don't do it. If God's not asking you to do that. And look, just because another mom is doing something doesn't mean that you have to. 
So then the question is, what kind of mom does God want me to be? Now we're getting down to the heart of it. Because once we understand what God wants, then it makes it so much easier to ignore all the social media and to you know, ignore all of that guilt that comes with those kinds of comparisons. And it helps us to focus in on what God says about moms. And the truth is, the Bible says an awful lot about moms. Now, most of it is through the example of other moms that are in the Bible. So I want to look this morning at multiple examples of several moms in the Bible. But before we do that, I want to say a couple things to a couple of groups of people uh, that are listening today. First, to those moms, those people who want to be moms, but for whatever reason, haven't had the opportunity to become a mom yet. Let me just say this. I know that days like Mother's Day can be extremely difficult for you, because more than anything, you want to be a mom. Like, I get it. And my hope is for you that God does bless you one day with a biological child. I hope that happens. But until then, let me just plant a seed in you to consider adoption. Did you know that there are more than one million orphans in this world? And I'm telling you, growing up in this world is hard enough. But to try to do that without the guidance of a mom or a dad, it's almost impossible to do it successfully. And by the way, did you know that the greatest leader in the entire Bible, other than Jesus, the greatest leader in the entire Bible was adopted? Yeah. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And so you never know what God might want to do through you to change the future of a child that could be adopted. So just consider it. Now, another group of people, uh, let me talk to all the dads here for just a second. Now listen, dads, everything today is couched in the framework of talking to moms, but everything that we're going to talk about today also applies to dads. So you're not off the hook, okay? So make sure that you, you, you understand you hear that. And then second thing, dads, if you are just now realizing that today is Mother's Day, Get ready to shell out some cash because makeup gifts are expensive, man. I'm just telling you. So everybody, go ahead and pull out your message notes, and um, let's begin by asking this question. What kind of mom does God want me to be? What kind of mom does God want me to be? Well, first, number one is this, is God wants me to be present. God wants me to be present. Look, you've got to be present with your kids. Now, to understand what I'm talking about, I want us to look at the example of Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she was present at the major events in Jesus' life. In Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her child. She gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there wasn't any room for them in the inn. Okay, now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, uh, well, duh, Pastor Mike. She had to be present at the birth because you can't have one without the other. Okay, like I get that, I know, okay? But I'm making a point here, so just, just hang on, all right? Go with it. Um, Mary was also present at the first public miracle of Jesus. In John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. 
And if you, you know, read on in that passage, you'll see that Jesus changed the water into wine and that that was his first public miracle. And Mary was present. Now, Mary was also present at many other significant events in Jesus' life. We just simply don't have the room to list them all here. But she was also present at the end. In John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. And she was also present with her children when the church was getting started just after the resurrection of Jesus. It says this in Acts 1.14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay, the point is, is that Mary was present in the life of Jesus throughout his life. Now, here's the thing, Mary was not perfect. Okay, I think sometimes we get the idea, you know, that Mary was this perfect mom. Okay, she wasn't perfect. She lost Jesus for three days at one point. Okay, you know, they were in Jerusalem for a festival. She and the fam, they start heading north to Nazareth, their hometown, and they realize they forgot him back in the city. Now, moms, can you imagine the panic that Mary must have been going through that she realizes she's forgotten the Son of God, okay? <laughs> and, she's, and he's been lost for three days in a, in a city, and she has no idea where he is. I mean, can you imagine that kind of panic? Okay, so look, Mary was not perfect, okay? But she was present. She was present in the life of her son and the lives of her other kids. And so, moms, I want to encourage you. Be present in the lives of your kids, even when your kids are adults. Be present in the lives of your grandkids. And yeah, I mean be present physically present as much as you possibly can. And I don't know, I get it. Like, this is especially challenging for working moms. I understand that. Like, my mom was a working mom my entire life growing up. But she was present as much as she could be. Look, and as a kid, I understood my mom's limitations. And, and it, it didn't bother me. But she was present as much as she could be. She was present as much as she could be at like most of my t-ball games, my um, football games, my award ceremonies, my competitions. I mean, she was there as much as she could be. And here's the thing. When my mom was physically present, she was also emotionally present. And what I mean by that is that she was engaged with what I was doing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Amy and I and the kids, we were, you know, out to eat and we were at a restaurant and then, you know, Amy leans over at, to me and she says, hey, Mike, look over there. So I look across the way and there at a table was a mom and a dad, their four kids, and both the mom and the dad were on their phones just like this, totally disengaged. And get this, all four of their kids were on their phones too, just like this. I'm sure they were all tweeting about how great it is to have family time together, you know? <laughs> but the point is, is that, yeah, you get points for being physically present, but you lose them if you're not also emotionally present. And that goes way more, way, I mean, way beyond just putting down the phone, okay? It means that you talk with your kids. It means that you, you go on a walk with them. 
that sometimes in the car, you turn off the radio so that, and you just, just ask, start asking them questions. You know, ask them what they're going through. If you have adult children, it means that you call. And don't always wait for them to call you. Because, I mean, look, their lives are like so rapidly busy. And so you call them and you ask them, hey, what's going on in your life? Like how things are going? You know, what are you going through? Is there anything I can do to help? Now look, if you have adult kids and they're in a self-destructive pattern, okay, being present does not necessarily mean that you have to be an enabler, okay? But they have to know that whenever they're ready, that you're there. See, and just like Mary, you have to be present in their lives, not just physically, but also emotionally. And like, like Mary was present from start all the way to the finish, in your kids' lives, you need to be present from the start all the way to the finish, okay? All right, second thing that God wants me to do is this. God wants me to guide my children in relationships. He wants me to guide my kids in relationships. Now, again, although I'm primarily addressing moms, dads, you're not off the hook. I mean, you can't take a vacation here. This is vitally important for you, okay? So let me give you some background to this passage that we're about to read, okay? Now, the mom, her name is Naomi. She has a daughter-in-law, and her name is Ruth. Now, Naomi's son, who's Ruth's husband, he dies. And after he passes away, Ruth and Naomi together go back to Naomi's hometown of Bethlehem to live. Well, Ruth catches the eye of a very eligible bachelor named Boaz. But Ruth is young, and she's inexperienced, and she doesn't know what is appropriate or inappropriate in the culture of that community. And so Naomi gives her some guidance. Now the setting is, is that it's harvest time and all of the workers are at the threshing floor, which is basically just this enormous floor. It has a roof, but it's open on two sides so that the wind passes through. And what they would do is, like at night, they would just all, all the workers, they would just all throw their mats on the floor and that's where they would sleep. So that's the setting and look what Naomi tells Ruth to do. Ruth chapter three, verse one. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you'll be well provided? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you've been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go, <laughs> go on and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now, moms, here's what I want you to see, okay? Ruth had no idea what to do in this situation. She, has, she had no idea that the right thing to do would be to go and uncover his feet and lie down at his feet. Look, she was still a young woman, okay, and she, she did not know what was appropriate in that culture. And honestly, left her her own intuition, she probably would have decided to do the wrong thing, okay? She did not know that uncovering his feet and lying down at his feet 
in that culture was the pure and appropriate way to let him know that she would be open to an invitation of marriage if he so desired. There's no way she would have known that. And so she needed Naomi to guide her. Look, moms, dads too, your daughters don't know the right ways to develop a relationship. I mean, now they think they know, but they don't know. And you know, honestly, your sons don't know either, okay? They're, they're, look, they're getting their information from other kids and from TMZ, all right? You have to help your kids navigate the waters of relationships. I know, I mean, they might tell you, oh, I know what I'm doing, or, you know, mom, dad, you're so old-fashioned, or, you know, I don't want to talk to you about relationships. I don't want to talk about this. Look, it doesn't matter. You still have to guide them, okay? You got to be the one to tell your sons and your daughters what is and is not appropriate, okay? You need to help them see what to look for in a relationship and help guide them in what are the warning signs of trouble. Because look, they can't see everything because they're young, just like Ruth. And they can't see it because those things are beyond their level of experience, okay? So moms, have you sat down with your sons? Have you sat down with your daughters and talked to them about relationships? I mean, have you had the talk where you ask, what are you looking for in a relationship? And that you help guide them to be looking for certain character traits that because of your experience, you know are really important. But because of their experience, they would have no idea. I mean, I want to encourage you. Sit down and ask them and start that conversation of what are you looking for in a relationship? And look, and once you get past, like, you know, well, she's got to be hot, you know, or, well, I mean, I want them to be, you know, muscular but sensitive. You know, once you get past all that, that's when you can talk to them about, like, hey, you need to be looking for someone who's got drive. Look for someone with ambition. Look for character traits of honesty and integrity and someone with a cool temper, generosity, a genuine commitment to follow Christ, someone with compassion for others, someone who has respect for authority. Look, see, they need, their, they need your help because their inexperience will inevitably lead them to hurt. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, talking to a mom in our church, and uh, this, this last year, this mom has gone through a very painful divorce. Honestly, her husband just, just walked out on her and the kids and has had multiple indiscretions. And so we were talking, and I said, you know, the stuff that you've been through, do you think it's a result of the fact that maybe, do you think it's because your husband has changed slowly over the years? Or should you not have married him to begin with? And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, there is no doubt in my mind, I made a bad choice at the start. Because she didn't have anybody guiding her as a young woman of what to look for and what to value. So let me just say this, young people, teenagers, you need your parents' guidance 
in your relationships. I know you think you don't, but you do. And if you don't have parents that are Christ followers, I implore you, talk to some of your friends whose parents are Christ followers. Talk to those parents. Talk to your small group leader. Because you need that Christ-centered input in what to value in relationships. Okay? All right. Number three. Here's the third thing God wants me to do. God wants me to continue to sacrifice for my kids. God wants me to continue to sacrifice for my kids. Now, let me give you some context so that these verses are going to make sense, okay? At this stage, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt, okay? But Pharaoh realizes that the Israelites are multiplying so fast that they are quickly going to outnumber the Egyptians. So he issues a decree that all of the male Hebrew children, two years old and younger, are to be killed. Well, one mom makes a different kind of sacrifice. Look what happens in Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. It says, But after three months, she was not able to hide the baby any longer. So she got a basket and covered it with tar so that it would float. She put the baby in the basket. Then she put the basket among the tall stalks of grass at the edge of the Nile River. Now, as you may or may not know, at just that time, God prompted Pharaoh's daughter to come down to the edge of the Nile to bathe. They saw the basket, sent one of her servants to go retrieve it, rescued the baby, and Pharaoh's daughter adopted this baby as her own, and that child grew up to be Moses. Right. So this mom makes a sacrifice that, yeah, her son will not grow up in her home, but her son will live. Now, every mom would say, like, well, duh, Pastor Mike, I would make that very same sacrifice. I would have done the exact same thing. And the fact that that is in your heart, that is reason enough for every single one of us to thank you moms for all the sacrifices that you've made. Because, look, you're the one that has gotten up in the middle of the night for all those, you know, middle-of-the-night feedings. You're the one that has changed more diapers than any man that is listening to me today, okay? You're the one that has made more lunches, you've prepared more meals, you've folded more laundry, you've cleaned more toilets, you've repaired more buttons, you have consoled more kids with bad dreams, you've fixed more hurts, and you've done more behind the scenes than any of us even know about, acknowledge, or have said thank you for over the years. So to you moms, all of the rest of us, we want to applaud you and everything that you've done over the years to make our lives better because without you, our lives would look dramatically different. You are amazing. You're amazing. Because here's the truth of the matter. You're still willing to make sacrifices for those you love. And that is a very godly trait. Because I'm telling you, there's just something in the nature of a mom that says, you know what, I would rather sacrifice than see the ones I love do without. And that is, that's a very godly trait because that's exactly what God did for us. You see, when God looked down on earth, he saw that our sins separated us from him. And God said, you know what? I would rather make a sacrifice than do without them. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on a cross 
so that his death could pay, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> could pay for our sins and so that our sins could all be forgiven so we could have a relationship with God while we were here on this earth and we could go to heaven when we die. But that only happens if you ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge your life to follow him. I'm telling you, if you have never done that, would you please do it today? There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before to become a Christ follower, you know, or something like it, then please pray that prayer today because God has already made a sacrifice for you because he loves you. Now, before I give you a chance to pray that prayer, let me say this. Moms, dads, do not be guilted by social media into becoming something that God never intended you to become. Be the mom in, that God calls you to be. Look what God says about the kind of parent he wants you to be, and then make strides in that direction. So what I want you to do is I want you to find your connection card, and let's all take some next, next steps so that we can begin to make those strides a reality in our lives. For you, maybe it's this first next step. I will stop comparing myself to other parents and only do what God's asking me to do. Would that be a commitment you'd make? Number two, I will be physically and emotionally present with my kids as much as I can. Would you make that commitment? Number three, I will start open and honest conversations with my kids about relationships. And by the way, dads, all of these commitments you can make too. Okay, you're not off the hook. So any of these next steps that you need to take, you should take them. So would you start open honest conversations as well with your kids? Number four, I will continue to happily make sacrifices for the benefit of those I love. Would you make that commitment? Number five, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Now look, if you've already prayed that prayer, you do not have to pray it again. But if you've never prayed that prayer to become a Christ follower, or you're not sure if you're a Christ follower, then when you take a moment today and pray that prayer and lock that down, you want to make sure that you are a Christ follower and that you will go to heaven when you die and have that relationship with God while you're here on this earth. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer. But before I do, one more next step, number six. I will come next Sunday to hear the beginning of the message series, Sayings of the Wise. Next week, we're kicking off a series on the, about the book of Proverbs. But the book of Proverbs is this giant collection of wise sayings about how God says you ought to handle life. But inside the book of Proverbs, there's another section called the Sayings of the Wise. It's 30 sayings of how God wants you to wisely handle the most challenging things in life. And we're going to begin looking at that next week. And we're going to talk about how God wants wise people to handle things like envy and anger and alcohol, and money and kids and career. I'm telling you, it is going to be an amazing series. And it starts next Sunday. So make sure that you're here for it. So I'm going to give everybody a chance to take a few moments and pray silently. And so I want right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, take these moments and ask God to help you follow through with the next steps you've taken. Let's do that right now.
Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for every mom that's here today and for all the ways they've sacrificed through the years for the benefit of their families. And I want to say for, pray and ask you to help moms and dads to be the parents that you've always intended them to be, the grandparents that you've intended them to be. And I ask that you would bring us back next week so that we can hear more about what you want to say to us. We love you. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And it's in his name I ask it all. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.